welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus and I am your host and joining me today, author of several teen award books and the uh, latest middle grade offering, The Accidental Wizard, Kimberly Pauly, welcome to the show. Hi, and thank you so much for having me. It's really lovely to be here. Oh, thank you for joining us. It's it's so good to have new authors onto the show. And because you are new, let's get to know you a little bit better. I was wondering if you can just give us a quick breakdown as to why you wanted to become an author and a couple, a little bit of your journey up to now. Oh gosh, it's been a long journey. Um, (laughs) I always wanted to be a writer, even when I was little, and I still have my notebooks from when I was was young. Um, they're, They're full of a lot of really bad poetry. But I studied um, English at university. I actually um, had a concentration in adolescent literature and science fiction. So I always wanted to do that. Um, I did write a lot of short stories. I've written for newspapers before, but my first book came out in 2008, uh, which seems like a really long time ago now. Uh, (laughs) But it was a lot of fun and it's been a journey. but I always wanted to be a writer and I always wanted to write funny books. I'm not a serious person by any stretch of the imagination. So even if I have murder in a book, like I do in my fourth one, it's still kind of funny. But writing for the younger audience now, like I am with the middle grade book with the accidental wizard, I have to say it's so much fun because I get to dabble in all of the fairy tales and things that I absolutely loved growing up. Yeah, and with Accidental Wizard, uh, obviously you mentioned some of the funny things there. I think one of the things people have mentioned is a little bit like Neil Gaiman, a little bit Terry Pratchett. I wonder when you hear those sort of like like epic names sort of in the same conversation, how you feel about that? Oh gosh, who wouldn't love that? Uh, I mean, Terry Pratchett, it's like, he's like amazing to me. And, and so is Neil Gaiman. I mean, I think the Graveyard Book and like Coraline are two of the most like perfect books ever of all time um so i i do really love to hear that i've been compared to some other authors in the past uh some of my young adult books they've compared me to meg cabot which also i'm not going to complain about and she's perfectly lovely so that's great uh but yeah terry pratchett's probably the one that i'm like oh my gosh you know because um i love his books i have literally bookshelves full of his books but i also grew up with a lot of th white and Douglas Adams. And so I feel those are big influences on me as well. So looking back at some of those uh, older books and the, especially the teen ones, I'm thinking of like Sucks to Be Me, uh, Still Sucks to Be Me, you know, they have very much the sort of the sort of teen vibe of the time because with the sort of vampires and stuff like that to them. I wonder what it was like writing those compared to what it is now. It's like, have you noticed a sort of transformation of your writing process, different sort of differences or nuances between the two? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, When I write young adult fiction, I tend to write in first person. Uh, Actually, all four of my young adult books, they're all in first person. Uh, Sex to be Me was actually first person present tense. And the other books were first person, you know, third. Whereas when I write middle grade, I tend to write in third person, close, third person close. So it's, it's really kind of from Twig's viewpoint, but it is third person. So that's a big part of it. 
So I think the voice is different. Uh, for the teenage books, I'm kind of more, more in my head or more in their head, I suppose you should say, versus the middle grade books, it's more about the, the wider world. Um, and when I write teen fiction, my first draft tends to be dialogue. Uh, I think of it very movie-like where it's by scene and I think about the transitions between the scenes and how things work that way. And when I'm writing for younger readers, I tend to think a little bit more about the place and I don't have to go back in and fill in as much of the setting detail as I do when I'm writing uh, for teenagers. I mean, every draft is is different, of course. And I go through, I've probably gone through the book six or seven times before I even send it to my agent, but it's definitely a different process how I write for teenagers versus um, younger readers. Yeah, and I think the great thing about readers, especially like you say, the sort of place, it's it's immersing them in the sort of the world. So I was wondering if we look at sort of like the accidental wizard and Twig's sort of world, like when you're sort of building these these characters from the the ground up, are you thinking of like their, their characters as sort of personalities in the sort of the minds of a sort of twelve year old might see themselves in a book, as it were, or do you sort of come up with more like the plot and the sort of the crazy sort of loopy magic systems first? I always pretty much tend to start from character. Uh, and actually every single one of my books can be boiled down into taking a situation and a character in it and then sort of turning it on its head a little bit. Um, in Sex to Be Me, for instance, she's a girl that she has to decide whether she's going to be a vampire or not, but her parents are vampires and she thinks they're really boring. I mean, he's like an accountant uh, versus, you know, like this sparkly vampire kind of thing. Um, in Cat Girl's Day Off, I've got a teenage protagonist who has a superpower, but it's the stupidest superpower of all time. She can talk to cats. So in The Accidental Wizard, I take that same kind of character process where Twig suddenly accidentally becomes the world's most powerful wizard, but he finds out as soon as he's got it that it's not all it's cracked up to be and he really wants to get rid of it. So I kind of like to do that where I start off with a character and I stick them in a situation, but then I kind of want to turn it on its head a little bit. Yeah, and with the sort of the characters there are sort of like Twig and that sort of overcoming power. I was wondering when you're sort of like building up the sort of like the storylines, obviously coming from a sort of more, I guess, young adult sort of uh, setting and writing sort of style. I'm just wondering if you had to sort of like tweak any of the sort of like the dangers or the sort of like the threats that you might find on more a middle grade sort of level reading rather than the sort of the dangers of a, a young adult novel can get away with. Sort of. I don't think it's, I mean, it, it's all about the story and it's um, entirely different kind of world settings. Uh, in my fourth book, there's some murder and it's a girl who's an oracle who can only tell the truth. Every time she hears a question, she has to answer it. So her life is really hard, but Twig, he lives in a completely made up fantasy world, absolutely, you know, like chock full of every fairy tale creature you can imagine and wizards and witches and things like that. And so the kind of things that he's gonna face are going to be completely different. I don't know that I kind of consciously decide okay I'm writing this down because I don't feel like I ever try to write down I just try to write the story and I, I think that's actually very important for children in, in teen fiction in general you can't ever write down there's no such thing I think if you're writing honestly then you're writing the story that needs to be told um, I don't think that kid readers are any less than adults and as a matter of fact I think some of them are 
a little bit more discerning in their reading. So I, I don't want to say that I try to write down to them. I, I, if anything, I try to write up, I suppose. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I've had a lot of authors who have sort of come onto the show explaining that, you know, writing for kids is, is just the same as writing. There's no need to dumb down words or dumb down the sort of prose. And, you know, I think it's lovely that actually kids grasp a lot more than we give them credit for sometimes. So um, now that you've had sort of tried both uh, both sides of the sort of scale as well, young adult and middle grade, do you have a sort of favourite at all that you, you've, or maybe certain parts that maybe you prefer over the other? Uh, writing or maybe researching? Oh gosh, uh, that's actually a really hard question because there's benefits to both. And I, I do actually write for adults sometimes too, but I've uh, never managed to write more than like a short story for adults because I cannot carry an adult voice for that long just because I think I'm still a kid in my head. Um, I definitely probably never got past being 16. Uh, but I like both. I, the, the one really big benefit, actually, I guess, of middle grade books is they're a lot shorter. <laughs> so you can write kind of more and they go a lot quicker. So, and writing The Accidental Wizard was just plain fun. It's probably the most fun I've ever had writing a book. Because uh, you could just, I did a lot of playing while writing it and I sort of indulged myself, I suppose. It's got gnomes in it, a really grumpy gnome named Glimfinkel. And I was obsessed with gnomes when I was young. So in some ways, the book is very tied to my own childhood. So it was just, it was just fun. Uh, whereas some of my other books, I have to do more research for the one that, that had the Oracle. It's called Ask Me. And I read so many books about oracles and I did a lot of research. So it was a little bit less fun to write, I suppose, but it's still satisfying. I don't know. I just like to write. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think sometimes, you know, it is as a writer, obviously you're uh, investing so much of the time. Obviously as readers, we, we read, but like the time we spend reading is only a fraction of the hours writers endure and pull their hearts out to. Um, so I was wondering actually with the accidental wizard, how much of it has sort of changed from its initial concept and like, where did that initial concept for sort of twig and his story begin? Well, there's actually a really interesting story about how the accidental wizard started. Uh, so for the last, well, except for this year and pandemic year, if we just leave off those. Ugh. So for the last like 10 years or so before that, I've been involved in a bet uh, every year with some other authors, uh, Brian Ferry and um, Catherine Reinhide, who wrote Pay It Forward. And Brian writes like some really amazing middle grade fantasy as well. And we've had other authors join us over the years, like Andrew Smith, he wrote um, The Grasshopper Jungle and, and David Lubars joined us before, but mostly it's, it's the three of us. And every year we have a bet and it was around the Kentucky Derby and we would each pick a horse and whoever won, meaning their horse came in first, they would give the next person down a title for a short story. And then that person would give the next person down a title for a short story as well. And the one who won didn't have to write anything. Well, I usually almost always lose. I think in all the years we've done it, I've only won twice, maybe. Anyway, so Catherine Reinhide, a couple of years ago, gave me the title, A Slight Exaggeration. And that became a short story, which wound up being the first two chapters of The Accidental Wizard. 
So you can thank Catherine for that. Though Scholastic did want to change the title because they thought a, a slight exaggeration was a, a little bit too hard to grasp, I suppose. Uh, so there is kind of a nod to it towards the end of the book, like somewhere in there, I do have the words, a slight exaggeration, but that's where the story started. Uh, so that idea that actually the first two chapters are almost word for word what that short story was in the beginning, not a whole lot changed from those, but I enjoyed writing that story so much because at the time I had been writing, I had been working on an adult novel that I never did wind up finishing. And it was so much fun to write that I was like, I really want to turn this into a book, you know, and keep going with it. And, and that's where the story started. I do love hearing some of these stories because some, sometimes they just come out of thin air authors just to have like epiphanies. Sometimes obviously you, you get a push in the right direction. You know, the, the story gods intervene and they sort of help someone give you that nudge that you need. So it's really interesting to see that. And it gets me on to the next part, which is I wonder if we can have a look even further and see if the uh, the story gods have blessed us with any more ideas that are, are coming our way from you. Oh, well, I've actually already turned in book two of The Accidental Wizard to my editor at Scholastic. I don't have a date for when that's coming out yet, but I can tell you that the story has pirates and it's set on kind of a really large island off of the main body of the land where all the kingdoms are. There are mermaids, there's sirens, there is a really, really angry boil covered chicken. Um, so there's a lot going on there. It's a, I think it's a lot of fun. And Beaky, which was the magpie in the book, has actually a pretty big part to play in that as well. So I'm looking forward to whenever that does come out. Um, other than that, I am working on a new idea for a new series, and I'm just in the very beginning stages of that, and it involves Chinese ghosts um, and Chinatown. And when I say ghosts, I'm actually talking more about like Guai, like kind of what you might have heard Gyokai before with, um, which is like the Japanese version. So we're talking like two-tailed cat ghosts and uh, Nekamata and things like that. So I'm working on an idea with that, which is which is actually a, a joy to me because I'm half Chinese. Um, so it's a lot of fun doing the research for this one because I have what I learned, you know, growing up, but I'm learning a lot as I'm researching for it as well. And I want to set the book in Chinatown in London, which is one of my favorite places in the world. So I, I spent a lot of time there. <laughs> so that's the thing that I'm working on now. And there's a couple other things uh, going as well, but uh, those are sort of the big ones that's on at the moment. And some, I do also write some um, Dungeons and Dragons scenarios. And so I've got a kind of a few things going on there and I'm working on a side project, which might be like adventures to introduce younger people to role-playing games uh, using existing folk tales and fairy tales, but putting them into a setting so that kids can get involved. Uh, Cause I, I do see that a lot where all of us who play D&D are old now, but well, not everybody. I mean, there's young players too, but we have kids and they want to play. And like my 13 year old plays D&D &D with us. And I see a lot of parents posting, you know, like how my kid wants to play, but how do I get them involved? Because it can be really daunting when you first start. And so I'm working on sort of some adventure things to get that going. Yeah, it's so difficult. Obviously, you've mentioned d and I'm a big d and uh, player myself, but it is once you sort of get to that sort of point where so my son is now 11 and he's sort of like, 
he know he knows to play D and D. He wants to get involved. But I'm like, uh, there's, there's a lot to get your head around, and there's, there's just if there's there's not a stepping stone, is there? There's not. There's just you you just have to dive all in. Um, and so, yeah, I think there needs to be a sort of like a, well, here's your, like, yeah, I think someone did a, a couple of years ago, like an ABC sort of, of D&D. Um, but there needs to be that next step because, you know, with your 11, you can, you can grasp quite a few terms, but once you get into the modifiers and all the other stuff, then you start boiling the brain. But yeah, that's amazing. That's fantastic. So yeah, you've got sort of two different sort of strands there where you have the sort of storytelling. And I guess D&D is still another type of storytelling, but it's also, uh, it's not quite nonfiction, but it's it's something different. So I guess you get a flex different creative muscle. Well, I think if D&D to me playing it is it's like working on a collaborative story between you, the other players and whoever is being the dungeon master. And while they can kind of direct things, it's it's really a collaboration. It's there's no it's not a dictatorship. They don't say here we're going here. We're doing this. It's it's all the players getting together and making a story together. And I think that's actually a great thing for kids. And to be honest, my son is better at the maths part than I am, you know, because he can do all of that in his head where I'm sitting there going, okay, if I roll this and then, you know, you've got to add all of these things together. So I, I think it's actually really great for kids because it helps work on their math skills. It works on their creativity. You have to work on collaborating with people. You have to work together as a team. I mean, I guess you could play like a completely evil character who never works with anyone, but it, it, you wouldn't make it very far. So uh, so it's actually, I think, a really great thing for kids to do. And I did uh, in the past, I had actually written some scenarios before for um, Outland, which does, uh, they had Tiny Dungeon and they had a thing called the Hatchling Edition. So they had sort of a simplified game rule set for kids. And I'd written like a scenario for them, which I've, I've kind of, uh, it's not exactly D and D. It's it's a similar system that they've developed themselves, but it's pretty cool, and I like it a lot. So it's it's one of the easy ways to introduce kids to it. Uh, but so I I don't know. I'm I'm always about getting kids to do creative things, you know. Yeah. Get my son out of the house more too, but uh, it's also great to be able to do something with him, which is nice because at 13 he's kind of at that age where he's getting to be hard to do things with because he's such a proper teenager now and he's taller than I am which is not that hard but he's taller than me so it's really nice to have something we can do together oh yes absolutely I mean I'm, I'm already a big advocate for D&D but it's also all the sub skills it brings along social interaction like say the math skills it's just stuff especially you know today where people suffer through so much anxiety to get lost in a world that you can create yourself it can really help with just some other stuff as well, mental well-being and stuff like that. So I am a big D&D fan and big promoter of it. So I love all that stuff. That's just such a cool, creative other sort of side task, you know, uh, apart from just writing sort of awesome kids uh, stories and stuff. So really fun times uh, that we're having. And we've having such a fun time here, but we're quickly getting to the end. But I'm not going to go anywhere until we get to our competition. Yes, competition time, lovely listeners. And for this week, obviously, we are going to be giving away a copy of The Accidental Wizard for you to get hold of. But how do you get hold of it, you ask? Well, hold on, I'll get there. Uh, what you want to be doing is heading over to our Twitter, at Big Kids Book Club, all one long lovely word, and hit us up with the hashtag TwigComp. That's hashtag TwigComp. That's going to be today's sort of tag word. And we always do sort of a quizzy sort of question. So today's question is going to be like, if you could uh, come up with one spell uh, that could do anything that you could ever wish for, it could be, I don't know, uh, a spell that uh, 
for me, it's probably infinite coffee. I could just make coffee whenever I wanted. Um, but you can come up with some weird and wacky spells that would make your life easier or more fun or whatever it is you want to do. We want to know about them. So Kimberly, if you could have a, a weird and wacky spell to help you with your everyday life, what spell would you have? Comprehend languages. I would, that's actually always been the thing that if I had a superpower, the superpower that I would want is to be able to like speak and comprehend all the languages in the world. That's pretty so good. I would do a spell for that. That is pretty awesome. Yes. Oh, I sort of love the D&D twinge on that there. <laughs> um, but yes, that is some of our ideas. We want to hear from you at Big Kids Book Club, hashtag twig comp and let us know those amazing spells that you would come up with well this has been an absolute blast it's flown past as well uh kimberly thank you so much for coming on the show today oh thank you for having me it was a lot of fun and i didn't have to wear makeup so you know that's totally a bonus <laughs> well i'm not gonna let you completely disappear yet because i want to give our lovely listeners a chance to get to know more about you and your books now obviously the fantastic accidental wizard is out right now from scholastic so you should go and check that out uh, at all good local bookshops but where can they find out more about you uh, yourself and more of your writing is there a social media or a website they can go to oh yes i'm way too often on social media but my website is kimberlypolly.com uh, the only thing I have to say about that is Kimberly does not have an extra E at the end. So it's K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y. That is one of the biggest things about when I moved to the UK, everybody here spells Kimberly with the extra E on the end. So nobody spells my name correctly anymore. Uh, so KimberlyPolly.com. Um, and I'm the same thing on Instagram. And on Twitter, it's KimberlyRPolly. Well, it's KimberlyRPolly for my middle name, which is Rose. Uh, but other than that, I'm mostly on those. I have not yet figured out TikTok. So I'm pretty much just Instagram and Twitter. And then I am on Facebook as well. Same thing, same name. Fantastic. All right. Well, Kimberly, I shall let you get back to a very busy schedule of coming up with fantastic stories and obviously in exploring uh, Chinatown and those ghosts. So until next time, lovely listeners, thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed yourself. And until next time, all I have to say is for you to take care, to stay safe, but most importantly, to keep on reading. <laughs>